This is the Indigenous Podcast, a collection of conversations about Indigenous women's health and well-being. This episode was guided by a community advisory board of Indigenous elders, mothers, and daughters. I'm your host, Sophie Neuner, member of the Karuk tribe. Hey, I'm your host, Sarah Stern, citizen of the Cherokee Nation of Oklahoma. And I'm your host, Olivia Trujillo, a member of the Danan Nation. We're delighted to welcome Ashley Phelps Garcia, a member of the Oglala Lakota Nation, to the Indigene podcast today. Ashley is known in her community for her dedication to the preservation and revitalization of traditional Lakota women's roles, responsibilities, and ceremonies. She's also a jingle dress dancer and has been dancing in powwows since she could walk. Today, Ashley teaches us about the importance and joy of living in ceremony and community. Ashley, Yotwa, thank you for joining us. Good afternoon. On Betu Washte, Midakiapi, Chante Washte Nape Chiuzapi, Ashley Phelps Garcia Imachiapi, Lakotaje, Wiucha Omaniwi, Nam Oglala Lakota Wia, Hemacha. Makoshicha Elwati. So I just want to say good day, good afternoon. My name is Ashley Phelps Garcia. I'm an enrolled member of the Oglala Lakota tribe here on the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation. And I reside here in the Badlands um, in South Dakota on the reservation. My husband is Vino Garcia, and we have five children Navea, Memengua, Joaquin. Mixuya and Washoshe. I currently am the director of communications and the programs manager here for our nonprofit First Families Now, located here on the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation. I am also the programs manager, so I help with elderly meal days, uh, food box days, which we do every Wednesday. We give out like 40 to 70 food boxes to different families across the reservation. Um, right now, uh, we currently have a ballet class every Saturday for young girls on the reservation, really anybody who's interested. We range from kindergarten to, I think, a junior in high school. So we have a few girls with that, and our teacher comes out of New York City. So that's pretty interesting. Uh, we do just a lot of really fun, fun activities. That's what I like to do. My favorite part is... Um, just being involved with the community. Another huge thing that we do is like uh, heater drives. Um, I think last winter we gave away 800 jackets. So we're currently taking donations for jackets so we can do that again. This will be our third year. And um, we give out uh, back to school drives and, and shoe drives. So those are just a few of the things I can think of off the top of my head. My mom, she is the executive director. She was a principal for about 16 years here on the reservation at different schools. When she um, decided to take another path, she realized, you know, she wanted to connect more with the children and the homes and do more after seeing, you know, the, the children every day at school. Um, she was the type of teacher or principal, well, she was a teacher too for many years, but the principal that would take our clothes from home and take them to the kids at school. And she would, girls needed anything, she would buy it and bring it to them. And um, 
fix hair and stay after school and do extra. So um, I think this is like a calling for her and it kind of came down to me. And um, so I, I help her with a lot of that and we're able to, you know, get, get up and personal with a lot of the people in our communities and help them with things that they might need. Uh, another a really good thing with that is I get to bring my children with me, you know, whatever I'm doing. And that's one of the teachings that I learned from um, our elders who helped me with the Hokshi Chant Gyapi is one of the main things that I'm here to speak about, the welcoming of the child ceremony that we do. They teach us that, um, you know, our children, they, they're sacred, they come first. I'm lucky enough to be able to, during this pandemic, do what I love, which is helping others but also my kids get to take that journey with me. So they're, they're with me at work every, almost every other day when I'm there, they help me unload boxes and load boxes. They make food boxes for the community. They just get to see, like, I know that they're playing most of the time, but you know, we're taught that they're always listening. So I hope that, you know, I can pass this down to, to them whenever they get older. Um, besides all of that, I also am a full-time mom. <laughs> with my babies here at home. So I'm like helping them with running to this computer, doing zoom or running to this computer, doing, you know, opening this page, pulling out these colors, trying to remember math from eighth grade. I don't know, but my husband's really great. He's running around too, and he's helping and he um, is on computer doing meetings and zoom all day, but on his breaks, he'll come do the dishes or, you know, make, make something for the kids. So it's, it's definitely a team effort, but I'm really lucky and glad that I'm able to do that. And when we can on the weekends, uh, when possible, we travel to powwows and, you know, so we're pretty busy, <laughs> but we love it. Thank you so much for sharing. It sounds like your mom has made such an impact on so many children's and families' lives. And she sort of passed down that that gift and that calling and that responsibility to you. And now you're doing the same thing with your children. I think that's very profound and very beautiful. So you're involved with so many different activities. I kind of just want to ask you, how do you get the energy and where do you draw the inspiration? What fuels your fire and allows you to be all of those things to so many different people and, and yourself every day? Yeah. Well, thank you for that. Um, really, I want to say a lot of it is uh, the people that I was raised around. Um, they just, they had a huge impact on me. And I'm sorry, um, I lost two grandmas this year. And they were huge in our community. And I have a huge family. I think I'm related to everybody here on this side of the reservation. You know, just how, how I native families are we make every holiday is just a reason to have a feast so I was always taught my elders um, especially this year put a lot of it in perspective and they give me the drive like um, I just have so much love for for my grandparents and um, adopted grandparents that you know and I cherish them so much you know the language and the knowledge keepers and and I when I want to do something I just um, I think about them so it's not really hard for me to have these ideas because I have a strong community and a backing. A lot of my ideas will come from elders in the community. Another um, part of my inspiration are my children. 
So, um, you know, living here on the reservation, it's probably 85 to 90 miles to the nearest Walmart, the nearest store. We have a small gas station down the road. Or I should say, like my children, they give me ideas. My daughter was really into ballet. She wanted to take ballet classes. And I know nothing about ballet, but I know that we didn't have it here on the reservation. And so I looked into classes and, you know, and I would have to drive her to Rapid City every every day or you know every day after school every weekend and put a lot of time and a lot of money into it which I was willing to do but it's also hard being that I have four other children here at home and I have a job and things that I'm doing and I was thinking you know there's probably other little girls here on the reservation that want to do ballet maybe we can have ballet here I have a big living room we can do it in my living room I'll clear it out you know just something to start so I called all the schools I could think of in Rapid City and um, and they were unavailable. They were busy and, um, you know, it just it didn't work out. And um, I think some of them were unsure about the reservation and coming this way. And um, so it was understandable, but I, I kind of put it out there and um, I was just asking around and put it on social media and it just so happened this young girl from New York, she goes and travels different countries. She travels to um, and helps free of charge nonprofits. So she asked me if we were interested and I said, yeah, and we brought her down. And um, that's how it got started here on a reservation. She got, we had like five little girls and now I think we have like 12. Uh, I, I feel like I came from a traditional upbringing and um, traditionally when you pray, and you um, put, I guess you would call it energy, you put your intention out there into the universe. And oftentimes, you know, that's what it is. That's how it becomes. And that's how you start is with a good intention. And then things slowly fall into place. You know, we're always taught to pray seven generations ahead. You know, you pray for tomorrow, but you also pray for your great, great grandchildren down the line. So I believe, I believe in that. And I believe that these are just little steps to get to, you know, maybe eventually we'll have something huge here to do. And um, so that's, I get that from my children. It's such a delight to see the ways that you light up when you're talking about your family. Just, I feel a warmness almost like coming off of the computer screen. And it's really special to me to, to be here and Thank see you. it and listen. You know, as you're sharing about these different things, is there anything that you feel that you can share with us about how we take the space to honor and support our relatives that are beginning menstruation and like the that part of their life and that transitional space? Yes, entering womanhood is very, very, very important in our Lakota culture, and I'm sure in all indigenous cultures, I've been to other reservations and even in Mexico, you know, they have the quinceaneras and different honorings for young women. I was lucky enough to go through the womanhood ceremony. Ishnati is what we call it. And it's the coming of age. It's our womanhood ceremonies when we, you know, first start our menstruation. And I think it's very important when I think back, a lot of the, the teachings that was shared, a lot of it was my grandmother's again and my aunties and they would sit with you and they would 
they would sit with you and they would visit with you and talk to you and share share teachings that maybe they grew up with and pass those down to you. Um, they would teach you a skill. Right now with First Families Now, everything that we do is culturally based. So, um, you know, we have, we, we may, we, we had a lot of baby items at one time and we were going to give them out, but, you know, being culturally based, we were thinking, how could we make this more meaningful? So then I had met Tui Carol and she does the baby welcoming. So with that, we said, well, let's do this baby. Let's do the Hokshi Chantiapi and then turn the, um, then, then give those gifts out. So they'll be more meaningful. It's not just, you're standing in line and you're just receiving these gifts. You're going to you're going to go through this ceremony and you're going to feel the power and the energy and then you're going to get these gifts and they're going to mean something to you. We, I feel like we're in a generation where we're being more proud of who we are. We're bringing back our traditional ceremonies and we're, we're, we're proud. We're being proud of who we are. It's, it's, it was like, you know, it was so shameful just, just a few generations ago to, um, to be an Indian, to be a Lakota, you know, and um, to be a traditionalist. But now I feel like that's sort that's slowly changing. So in our um, in our womanhood ceremony, we're taught about the time when you're menstruating, and the do's and the don'ts, you know that that um, come along with that. In mainstream society, maybe um, more so it's it's almost like an embarrassment or a shameful, you know, when you're on that time of the month, like, um, and, and really what I was taught growing up traditionally is that's the time when you're the most powerful. Traditionally, you know, that at that time, you, you don't lay down with a man because you can make him sick. You have to be careful how you um, how you conduct yourself when you're on that, when you're in that sacred time. I get this question a lot, like, um, why can't we be at these, these ceremonies? Why can't we take part when we're on our time? It's out of respect because when we are, we are menstruating or when we are on our, our sacred time, we can overpower that ceremony. So, that's that's something that I was taught um, never to be my son. You know, sometimes women will cry because they can't attend or they, they're not able to take part, especially at our big ceremonies. But it's, you know, no, it's we we are life givers and it's it's just it's part of life. It's part of our cleansing. It's part of our, our renewing, rejuvenating ourselves. My daughter had just gone through her, her womanhood ceremony and it was a huge honor. You know, I was so happy. I was so proud of her. And, um, you know, she learned, she learned a lot. I, I see a big change in her and I'm really, really proud of her. And when you go through these ceremonies, it does something to you spiritually. It does something to you mentally and physically, like it heals your whole body and it just makes you feel more proud and more strong and more you know, you want to be proud to be Lakota, proud to be whatever tribe that you are, you know, that's instilled in us. And I think that's what we need to continue. I'm, I'm all for living in the modern world and education and getting a job and making money. But I'm also, I feel like you're going to be lost in that way of life if you don't know where you're coming from, if you don't know your roots, if you don't have prayer, 
you know, you have to have all of these things and balance them. And it's possible. I, I don't like to say that things are this way or that way. I'll say that that's how I was taught because I don't know the right way or the only way. I know there's a lot of different ways of doing things, but we're all human. And I feel like Tungashila, the creator, sees us all. He understands that each of us are on our own path. And if we make mistakes, then we can always, you know, come back and better ourselves and try to do the best we can. So you just said something that I think is really um, profound in a way to think about how we think about ceremony with inclusivity, which is each of us are on our own path. But I was wondering it, with respect to our two-spirit relatives and um, our genderqueer, our trans or non-binary community members, do you have anything to share about ways that we can be supportive, especially in regard to ceremony? Well, traditionally, we were taught that the two-spirit were sacred. You know, they carry these sacred dreams. A lot of them were chosen to, to give names to our children. I, I feel like they wear their heart on their sleeves and they, you know, they're more open and they, they can connect to the men and the women so well, you know, so they, they can help us. I feel like we're not so you have to be this way or you have to be that way. I feel like what matters most is if you're being true to yourself, we want you to be true to yourself. And, and it's in our Lakota way to, to support you. Cause I feel like we think of them as a special, they're, they're special, you know, they're sacred. There's certain medicines that they carry. And I know that they were helpful in the past to some of our warriors. Some of our warriors would look to them and ask them for their blessing before they go to war because of the medicine that they carry. I can say personally, you know, as a queer indigenous person, I am not often in spaces where people are offering up that we should respect our two-spirit relatives or that they have meaning in the profound ways you just listed. The things that you share and um, the fluidity, and I know you didn't name that as a quality, but the fluidity of our two-spirit relatives to continue to guide us Mm-hmm. it you can apply that to all phases of life it, from my understanding as as how I navigate the world so first off I wanted to thank you so much for kind of basically introducing us to your family I'm so glad that you brought in like your um, mother as well as your husband into the mix and letting us kind of get a feel of who they are as well. Obviously, we're all kind of in the Zoom world these days and everybody's juggling multiple things at home. And you did mention how much of a support your husband has been throughout this time. Um, I just wanted to know like what other roles men or masculine presenting people could play in supporting our um, youth or our girls going through the journey through adulthood. Um, I feel like it doesn't have to be like um, specifically husbands and fathers, but also like caregivers, brothers, friends, Mm -hmm. how can they offer support to um, young girls? Um, my husband always teases me. He's like, geez, Oglala women are so, he's like, you're the most stubborn woman I met. And you know, you're still so strong. You're too strong. (laughs) But, and then I take it as a compliment. I'm like, yeah, I am. 
you know, I'm always a daddy's girl. And my dad growing up, he was the cook in our house, you know, he would cook for us and um, he would, he, he was huge in sports. We were always in sports, like he was always there. And so that was huge to me. And I always seen him helping in our ceremonies and our everyday life. So um, I want to talk about a little bit about our, um, our Hokshi Chantiapi. Um, so where we do the, we welcome the, the children, we welcome our children and the spirit of our children. And during this ceremony, it's really awesome because um, that's where, you know, any males that are there, they really, they really help and they take part and they step up. Because uh, I feel like a lot of our ceremonies, like the women usually we're feeding, you know, we're taking care of everything in the background and, you know, we're there to help, help, you know, like when I help my husband with things that he's doing, but at this ceremony, it's a, it's a ceremony for new parents and parents of toddlers up to Head Start, you know, their families, families are invited to come and um, we have we have at least four elders. This whole meaning of this ceremony is for these elders to share their knowledge with these new parents and share how um, maybe how they grew up in certain traditional teachings or anything that they learned through being a parent and a grandparent that they want to share to these new parents. So that way these new parents can can hold on to some of our, our special teachings, our sacred teachings. For an example, we've never struck our children we never it wasn't part of our way to spank or to strike a child just sharing things like that passing that down and we invite grand grand grandpas grandfathers um and because we want to show the male perspective how was it for you being a father like what did you go through as a dad you know maybe you had your kids young maybe you weren't there maybe you want to be there now what can you show these dads, these young fathers, these young mothers, um, how they can carry themselves? And throughout the ceremony, they just take just as much part. How men can help young women, their nieces, their daughters, just be there every day and just um, be a part of their lives like in the ceremony. My dad, he comes and he's a singer. So we have um, my husband and my dad, my brothers, they they'll sing at the, they'll sing certain songs, like maybe an honoring song. Also, I put them on the spot. They'll come and they'll share their, how my dad grew up. My dad was young, but he did, he worked odd jobs. He did everything he could just to, you know, to make sure that we had nice clothes, make sure we had food. And then, um, you know, and then after that, you know, I'm so busy running around the, the, my dad, my husband, my brothers, they'll step in and they'll start passing out the food. The guys will step in and they, they pass out the food. They make sure everybody's ready. They sing the songs. Like it's kind of nice. Cause I'm like, I can boss my husband around at that time. <laughs> like go get this ready. You know, you know, so our male relatives can just be there and support whether they're super young, whether they're just now becoming women as an uncle, as a father, you know, um, be there to support them, to help them, to push to push our young girls, if, if they have an idea or a dream, then be there and help them. I'm raising boys too. And I'm worried, you know, like I want them to have healthy relationships and I want them to understand how to treat a woman, how to treat, I, you know, show them how to treat their sister. But a lot of what we can do is by actions. I think, you know, actions are the real ways of um, showing how to be and how not to be. You can learn how to be 
from somebody and you can learn how not to be from somebody. Thank you for speaking about, you know, I guess like different gender dynamics in, in my own tribe, it's it's sort of similar. A lot of ceremonies, women are really doing, making medicine by supporting men, by by doing the cooking, by making sure that everybody is fed first. And, you know, at least, at least for us, some of the more traditional ceremonies that, you know, centered women um, are in the process of being revitalized. We have very vibrant coming of age ceremonies, but I know mm-hmm. that you've really dedicated a lot of your career to sort of revitalizing those ceremonies that center the community coming together to sp- support women and their families and their journeys through parenthood. Could you talk a little bit more about what that process was like? Sure. I want to say like I grew up pretty traditionally, you know, um, with our culture. And I was always in the powwow world. Um, you know, I, I like to compete at different powwows and dance jingle dress. And even that there helped me with the story of the jingle dress and, you know, how um, how highly, uh, you know, the jingle dress is held, how it's a medicine dress and how to carry yourself when you wear this certain type of dress and the healing that can come from it. At home, um, we would go to sweat lodges and we go to ceremonies and things like that. I want to say I, some, some parts of it, I want to say that maybe I took for granted because I was around it so much, like, you know, oh, we're going to, to sweat tonight. You know, we did it a lot and I, I don't want to take anything from it. I always, I always have that belief and faith is just part of our lives, you know? Um, But when I moved away, I moved to New Mexico for make four and a half years or, or so, but I was so lonesome for, for that feeling of that I I loved it there. I missed the food and the people and I had so much fun, but I was missing like that spirituality. But I'm lucky enough that my husband had he had a sweat lodge there and we would and it would just like um I just couldn't wait. It just it brought um it made me realize how important it was and how much um how much it really meant. Then I moved home and when I got when I moved home I had my children. So our, you know, I started having kids. So I wanted to move back home and be close to my family. And that's how we moved back here to the reservation. And my mom had just begun this nonprofit. And at the same time, I was reconnecting with my grandparents and, and just everybody. And just, I missed that feeling of family. I missed that feeling like I wasn't gone very long, but I just, I'm a res girl. So when I left, I was really missing everything. And in Mexico, like the, the Indians that weren't on the reservation, they really like stuck together and they really had that sense of community and they were so proud to be indigenous. They were so proud to be, um, you know, come from whatever tribe. And I seen at home, like, I seen like, maybe we kind of take it for granted because I feel like, um, like I didn't see a lot of things until I moved home. When I met my, my grandma, Carol Ironrope Herrera, I've always known her, but um, we connected again when I got back and she was doing the Hokshi Chankyapi. So she was doing the baby ceremonies and she was losing her mobility. She's seen that um, I knew how to make the spiritual food or traditional foods, which is um, wasna. So there's there's um, deer wasna, buffalo wasna, corn wasna, 
and choke cherry wasna and um, team sila. So these are all of our traditional foods. And, and I, I learned how to make these and I would make them for different things. And she, she loved it. She, she ate it. She loved it. And she said, I need you to come help me. Can you come help me at my next um, baby ceremony? And can you make this wasna? And I said, yeah, I can. And um, just call me and let me know, you know, when you need help, I'll be available. And because at that time, um, you know, I was home with my kids and she called me the next day and she said, okay, this evening I need this food and this. And I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> you know, and um, so that's just how she was. She's just like such a busy lady. And I, I realize now, like she was very, she always pushed me to, you need to do this. Come, come on. You need to be here tonight. We're having this ceremony for this baby with these babies need this. And she's always pushing me. And uh, sometimes I would kind of be tired and I'm like, how does grandma have all this energy? But you know, I think she's just really, she knew that she didn't have a lot of time maybe. And I feel like she wanted me to, to be there and be ready and help her and learn these things. And she couldn't move so much more. So she would tell me, can you, can you sit everybody in a circle? Can you smudge, can you, Azealia, can you smudge everybody with this sage or the sweet grass? And, um, okay, now it's time for the water, pass out the water. Okay. The food, this song goes with this and, you know, so I would help her and I was doing these things. And then pretty soon she said, okay, you do it. I'm going to sit here and watch you. <laughs> and I was like, what? I feel like I'm not at that status yet. I feel like I'm still down here. I'm not ready to, to, to run this ceremony. I'm not ready to do this. She looked at me and she said, Takoja, if you don't do it, then who's going to do it? If you don't, if you don't pass this down, then it's going to be lost. That's why I have this drive. That's why I do what I'm doing. Um, it's not a job. It's, it's more of like a, an honor. And I'm so glad and I'm so grateful. I, and I'm still learning, you know, I still have other elders that say, well, you know, over here, we do it this way. And maybe next ceremony do this, you know, and I'm so lucky because I'm like, yeah, good idea. Let's do that next time. And, you know, we're trying to implement more and more into what we're doing. And um, so I just always think about that. What I do in this community is I feel like I shouldn't, I'm not anybody. I don't know. I'm not ready for this. I don't know if I can do this or there's probably somebody else who's better or, or older or, you know, but I feel like we're the generation. If we don't do it now, then our children won't have this. The, the time is now, you know, and I'm, and um, I'm saying like, go through the right process. But I mean, I, I feel like I've had to learn to have faith in myself. I had to trust myself. I had to, I kind of dove right into it without knowing. <laughs> and that's how, um, that's how grandma Carol was. She's so funny. Um, you know, she just has that, that grandma, that whole laughing and clapping and, you know, and we would just laugh and she would tell me all these different stories and she was a storyteller. 
So I really, um, whenever I do any of these ceremonies or when I do any gatherings, I always bring her up because she's had a huge impact on my life. And now I have another grandma who's who's um, helping me, you know, with this Hokshi Chantiyapi. Her name is Velma Killsback, and she's just, she's the exact same. We just laugh all the time together, and she's the queen of making wasna, and she she knows like nine different kinds, and, you know, she shares her little secrets with me, and we took a drive just recently to um, Standing Rock Reservation, and we held a baby welcoming there, and it was so beautiful. How lucky to to hear these stories, to hear these teachings, just to be here right now. Then after that, we went to the casino and, you know, <laughs> but <laughs> so we just, we have good times. I love hanging out with, you know, all of the grandmas. To me, I feel like everything starts from home. You know, if we hug our children, we got to let them know how much we love them. We got to, you know, keep areas clean, keep them safe. If, if we have, if we raise our children good and they know they're safe at home, then I feel like they'll do better in school and in life. And then maybe they won't be running to the wrong people for things that they're missing. Um, it's just some of the things that I was taught doing these ceremonies. And I always learn something new each time. And with going back to, you know, women that are on their moon, um, you know, we talk about this in there and it's just um, like, you know, that's, that's a time for yourself. That's where you take that time. And you might want to sit and be away from everybody because that's the time that you take for yourself and you can work on your craft. You can, you know, you can learn a trade. You can just do something for yourself. So you rejuvenate yourself. And then that way, when your body's done cleansing, you can, you'll, you'll be strong again and you can move forward. Everything's about moving forward in this life with, with, being a new parent and a new, new mom, new dad, you know, we talk about how it's not in our way of life to, to fight over children. We're taught that the reason why this, this ceremony had this has restarted was because back in the nineties, there was a SIDS pandemic here on my reservation, Pine Ridge, and it was getting really bad. We were in a state of emergency. And um, so the elders all came together and the, the council, and um, some elders proposed this ceremony. They said, we used to do this a long time ago. Let's, let's go back and, and start doing this for our children. And they did. And um, it was Philomene Lakota and Grandma and Carol Ironrope Herrera. They, they started doing this and they worked in corrections at the time. So they started on, you know, they started with the, the police officer's children. They did this ceremony for them. And then they had the children that were in the shelters because they would, they would work with them. And they had the children in DSS, things like that. They started doing these ceremonies for them and it started helping them. They could see a change. And then they would bring in the young moms that were maybe in homes here in different homes and they would do, do these ceremonies and when you do this it kind of it changes something in their 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 mental state there they have a realization and in our language we say ableza you open your eyes that's what our goal is is to open your eyes that you have a spirit you brought a spirit into this world your child to be lakota is to be a good relative that's what we are taught and um, on this reservation, there's no rich, there's no poor. We're all the same. We're all equal. Um, and it helps you not to be a, like a judgmental person because 
you have relatives that you love so much that maybe they're have an addiction and um and so it's like it taught me not to be not to be judgy to somebody that you see on the side of the road that you see is going through a hard time because somebody that you love is going through the same thing and with our nonprofit it's so important to us because we're able to help everybody we um work throughout the whole community we give out gently used clothing you know anything for personal hygiene i'm lucky i live walking distance from it because we get calls in the all hours but um we try to we we are open every wednesdays from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. That's the day we'd give our food box delivery. Um, we're so lucky we raised... Um, hi, son. <laughs> oh, you look nice. I'm fixing it. <laughs> hey, come say hi. Hi. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, we've, we've raised about $250,000 like, for a building. So we have like a nice little building that we're we are able to distribute all of this stuff from because before it was from our houses in a little shed between me and my mom's house. So we're so happy. We love our building. Um, One thing we're short of is um, walk-in freezers and refrigerators, because like I said, the um, local grocery store is so far away that we are able to give out non-perishable items, but it's hard for us to keep fresh fruits, fresh vegetables, you know, milk, like, like, you know, just things like that. We have canned milk. So we're working on getting those right now because we want to be able to get fresh, fresh foods out. You know, um, it's hard with COVID, but, um, you know, we make it work. We have outside events and do masks and hand sanitizing and things like that. So where I feel like our people are, we persevere through anything. And I feel like this pandemic you know, we make it work. We have Zoom and we have social media powwows and dancing and, um, you know, with our elders. And uh, that's a huge thing. I've gone door to door and gave cleaning supplies, food and, you know, just putting them on the porch. And it's kind of scary, though, because the dogs, sometimes there's dogs and they chase us. But <laughs> other than that, it's it's fun and it's all right. I'm really lucky and I'm happy to be doing what I'm doing and um, and it touches all aspects of my life. And one of my favorite things, like I said, is the welcoming of the child. I get to travel and do that. And I wanted to mention with that was we did it for a, a Lakota and Japanese family. And it was so cool because during one part of the ceremony, we, we feed our traditional foods, which is meat, corn, and berries. And we give water because with these foods, they nourish our body. And with the ceremony, we nourish our mind, body, and spirit. So with these foods, we're feeding our spirit. We give it water because water is our first medicine. Water is life. Mini Wichoni. Also, we were able to ask the Japanese side of her family, um, what food is special to you? Because this is for you and your child. So we want you to make a little dish and we're going to feed it to you and feed it to your child because you're going to feed that spirit and feed them both sides of you. So that's what's really cool about this ceremony is it can be open. It's not just this one thing. So I wanted to share that with you. You listen to Ashley Phelps Garcia on the Indigene podcast. This podcast is a production by the Johns Hopkins Center for American Indian Health. We'd like to thank our advisory board who have shaped this project in every way. This podcast was recorded 
directed and produced by Sarah Stern, Olivia Trujillo, and Sophie Neuner. Special thanks goes to Samaya, whose song Nothing Can Kill My Love For You opens our show every week. You can find her on Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, Amazon, wherever you listen to your favorite tunes. Last but not least, a big shout out to you, our listeners. Thanks for tuning in. Yodwa kobura karo suwenik. Wado, may our paths cross again. Ahyahet. Talk to you later.